No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the Gospels are good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I would understand it so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can be the hero the world is searching for. But you know, sometimes you start out as a hero and you can get depressed. Sometimes you're not a hero because you're depressed. And so we're talking about the second part of overcoming depression. And depression is a battle. And we, we started looking at um, what Jesus said. And he said in, Ma- in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Now, if you're depressed, how do you acknowledge Jesus? The last thing you're going to want to do is to tell people, listen, follow Jesus. The last thing you're going to want to do to someone is to say to them, the Lord is awesome. The Lord is incredible. And um, the other thing is, is that if we've only got a heart for ourselves, then we're going to, we're going to struggle. And we're not going to overcome. And then sometimes there are those of us who have told people about Jesus. We've gone out and we've told the world about Jesus. And yet we get to the place that Elijah got to. After his victory on Mount Carmel. And in 1 Kings 19 verse 4 it says, While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. From this magnificent victory where the fire of God came and it rained down on the altar and 400 prophets of Baal were executed and the armies of Israel went wow and the people of Israel went wow and the king of Israel realized I have been sinning and he needed to repent and then the rain came and all these miracles happened. And the next thing he's saying, Lord, well in effect I'm asking you to kill me so I suppose it's a little bit like suicide. take my life, I cannot continue. And Elijah is not the only one who feels like that. Many of us have gone through this battle and somewhere in your life you will go through that battle where it's just too much, I can't continue. But what did Elijah do when he was downcast? He turned to the Lord. And so respond to being downcast by turning to the Lord, by turning to the Word of God, by turning to the Bible. Why? Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. How many of you realize we need the attitudes of our heart to be judged? We need the attitudes of our heart to be judged by someone that loves us. Not someone that's going to make it worse. 
We want the blessing of God. And we too, like Elijah, can hear the word of God the same way that he did. But the thing that I want you to, re to realize from that story is that the first time God came to Elijah, he went back to sleep. God had to come to him a second time and raise him and send him on his way to destiny. And that was to raise a successor. We have two choices today. We can either remain asleep or we can get into the march to fulfill our destiny. You can either receive the word that God has for you or you can stay immobile, not going anywhere. And here's the big challenge. No one can ever choose for you. You choose this for yourself. Now, there is a medicine that God has for the times when we might be struggling with this. But other times, you know, there are other people that are struggling with things like depression and all sorts of other things that are going on. And I want you to realize something. You know, often when we're struggling with these things, we're struggling, and part of the reason we're struggling is because we're only thinking about ourselves. One of the things we don't like to talk about today, that one of the biggest things that causes us to get depressed is that we're only focused on ourselves. And what we haven't focused on is the fact that only through His servants can God's medicine be made known to people. Only through people that are willing to do what God's called His church to do can God's medicine be made known to people? And this is why when the Lord Jesus Christ was on the earth and he was forming his own team and he was forming his 12, his greatest motivation while forming his team was compassion. Have you ever noticed But people that are depressed never have compassion for others? Their problems are always bigger than someone else's. And that's the challenge. The challenge is that sometimes we're sitting there and we've got all of these issues going on in our head, but right next to us is someone that is in a huge amount of sorrow because they've just had a great loss in their lives. And we don't even notice. Now the thing is, why was Jesus willing to go to the cross for us? Why was he willing to to be hung up on a tree, to be cursed, because the Old Testament said that whoever is hung on a tree is cursed. Why was he prepared to become a curse for us? Because of the level of the compassion that he had for us. His heart was bursting so full of love for us that he was willing to have nails pierced through his hands. He was willing to have nails pierced through his feet. He was willing to pour out every drop of his blood from the cross of Calvary in order that we might be redeemed and might make it to heaven. And then the Apostle Paul, the one who went out and started out murdering the church, he had to forget what was behind to press on towards the goal that Christ had set for him. What was it that drove him to write two-thirds of the New Testament? What was it that drove him to plant churches all over the Gentile world? We looked at this last week, Romans 9, 2-4. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. 
So there's something that drives him. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish. Why? No one understands me. People misunderstand me all the time. Oh, life is just so... No, that's not why. If Paul was talking like that, he wouldn't be in the Bible. We need to talk like Paul spoke. We need to talk like the people spoke who got into the Bible. Tell the person next to you, let's talk like those who got into the Bible. He says, why? For I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. You know what? They received everything from God. And they weren't saved. He was like Jesus. His motivation was great compassion. And there was this unceasing anguish and, and, and this never-ending sorrow, a great sorrow, because they weren't saved. Now, I want you to think about Jesus. Through his team, Jesus was able to minister to and consolidate people who had come to him, who were like sheep without a shepherd. Seeing the multitudes that needed his touch, he instructed his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest. The harvest of souls belongs to the Lord. He instructed his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 9 verse 37b it said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Those who will go to church are many, but those who will do the work of the Lord are few. So therefore, you who are doing the work, you pray to the Lord of the harvest to send you the workers because the harvest belongs to the Lord. It's His work. It's His harvest. And He needs to fund it. He needs to resource it. He needs to people fight. I want you to think about Satan. Satan is alive and well in the world. Some people like to talk like he doesn't exist. But Jesus spoke of him like someone who does exist. And when Jesus spoke about Satan, he spoke about him in terms of two things. The one is a thief and the other is a deceiver. He's a thief who comes to, to steal, to kill and to destroy in John chapter 10 verse 10. Jesus also said, that Satan is a great deceiver. He's such a deceiver that his native language is lying. He told the religious leaders who had come to me, who were trying to trick him, that you speak the language of your father. You're coming to me claiming that you're the children of Moses. But none of you speak the language of your father, the devil. And his native language is lies. What I want you to realize is if we do not know Jesus and if we do not have this connection with him, we are deceived. We are living in a state of deception. Some of you say, yeah, but you've said that before. Because it's true. And you need to understand. Jesus himself said, if you don't know him, then you don't know the truth. 
And it's only when you know Him that you know the truth. And it's only when you know the truth that you will be set free. And that when the truth sets you free, you will be free indeed. Those who have fallen into the clutches of the enemy are like the man in the story. The story we read about in Luke chapter 10, verse 33 to 35, the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan, where this man had fallen into the hands of robbers. And this is what the enemy is doing with people all the time. And this man was stripped of all that he had, and everything that he achieved throughout his life had been taken through him. And the devil wants to do that with every single person that you know. He even wants to do it with you. In an instant, the devil will steal everything a person has, including their faith, leaving them half dead on the road. And this is the, the condition of many people today. And they've become accustomed to going through life carrying their own pain. They've gotten used to it. They've learned to cope. What can a psychologist offer people? The only thing that they can offer people is to give them a mechanism by which they can cope with the pain. They never take the pain away. And God is not like that. He's not a psychologist. God can see the spiritual condition of His people, the spiritual condition that they find themselves in, and He promises some things for us. I want to tell you that depression, like many other things, comes from a spiritual wound. There is a spiritual origin to it, and that's why nothing that we can do on the face of the earth, whether it come out of the medical world, the academic world, the drug world, the criminal world, whatever, the political world, whatever world there is, there's nothing in this world that can solve it, because at its core, there's a spiritual wound. And what did Jesus promise? The healing of emotional wounds. Come on, can we give the Lord a big shout of praise He has promised the healing of emotional wounds. It's a supernatural deliverance that He gives to people. Whenever a person is wounded in the physical, like this man who was robbed, whenever a person is wounded like that, they immediately need an antiseptic to prevent infection. Because if there's infection, the wound gets worse. And just as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual realm. When there's a spiritual wound, there needs to be a spiritual antiseptic or the wound will get worse. It never stays the same. Never say, oh, I'm fine. You're not fine. I'm fine, okay? You lie, you lie. Your pants are on fire. Your nose is as long as a telephone wire. You're not fine. You need a touch of God. A physical wound that is not treated becomes an infection. A spiritual or an emotional wound that does not receive divine healing leads to consequences in the soul. A spiritual wound in the soul has consequences. And like an infection becomes inflamed, maybe after a while there's pus and all sorts of things go on like this. Similar things happen in the soul. Things like bitterness. Things like hatred. You know people all talking about we're against hate. 
No racism, no hate. Oh, love, love, love. You know, all of that stuff people talk about. Yeah, but what is the cause of it? Don't judge someone else for their hate because you hate the racist. <laughs> when you hate the racist, you've joined them. You've just got a different reason to hate. There's a spiritual wound behind hatred. There's a spiritual wound behind the desire for vengeance. There's a spiritual wound behind depression. There's a spiritual wound behind loneliness. And, you know, sometimes we're sad because of circumstances. But sometimes we're sad because there's a wound. And one of the, the enemy's tactics is to come into a person's life. And he comes very subtly. And quietly, little by little, he takes ground. And he gradually, as he takes ground, using wounds and these sorts of things, he begins to take ground until eventually he takes complete control over them. And the deepest wounds in a, in a human being are usually caused by those who, con who confess love for them the most. Those who are closest to them. People like their spouse, their children, their parents, maybe their siblings. Satan uses those things that people close to you do. And he's like a bacteria that comes and takes advantage of a wound and infects it. And he wants to use this to rob us of our happiness. He wants to use this to attack our hope and to strip us of our dreams. You know what the biggest challenge we have in our nation is? Is that people have lost their hope and they don't have dreams. And when people don't have dreams, they do the most terrible things. And so what the enemy does, he uses these things. And as it goes along, our strength is weakened and we are left without the energy we need to face the pressure. Now I want to tell you, there's only one thing that can heal a spiritual wound. Some of you know what I'm going to say. And that is the blood of Jesus. There is nothing else that can get there. No drug can get there. No counseling course can get there. No, no wisdom book can get there. No um, political thing can get there. Nothing can get there except the blood of Jesus. Anything else is just a, a coping mechanism. Now, listen, if you're going nuts, please use the coping mechanism. If you're about to kill someone, because some people, when they're depressed, they kill people. That's how bad it can get at its extremities. And they call it a disease because they have no answer for it. So do not go and just say to someone, oh, you're just pathetic, you know. It's just in your brain, just get over it. Okay, you just got a tumor. It's so pathetic, just get over it. It's the same thing. It's like stupid to say that. This, this spiritual stuff is just as real as the, as the tumor. I believe, though, that establishments got it wrong. They say that chemical imbalances cause it. No, no, I believe chemical imbalances are caused by what's happening. I believe that it's a physical manifestation of what's going on in a person's spirit and their soul. But when we apply the blood of Jesus to this, this thing can be healed. And this is the hope, first of all, that each one of us needs to have for ourselves. I cannot bring a healing to someone else I've not received myself. And what is the biggest wound we face? It's rejection. And God wants to take us to a place where we are free from rejection. And when you think about the rejection, 
Some of the wounds that we have inside of us, some of the wounds that people have, they are rooted deep in the soul and are so deep that time won't even erase them. You know, there's a saying, time heals all wounds. That's rubbish. And these wounds are generally so deep that people do not know how to get free from them. Given that sometimes they don't even know how they got them in the first place. And as a result, many people's hearts become hard. And they do not allow themselves the opportunity to believe that they are children of God. I want to tell you, some of you here, your life's not coming right. Because you, because of these issues, cannot allow yourself to even believe that you're a child of God because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's because you were abused. Maybe it's because of something that you did. Maybe it's regret that you got. Whatever it may be. You cannot allow yourself to believe that because there's a wound. You know something's wrong, but you don't even know what it is. And some people think that the privilege of being a child of God is not for them. Or that this promise that you can be a child of God is just simply too good to be true. I want to just share with you that these are things that we share at the encounter. And we've got encounter weekends. We've got the life class. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Because these are things that only an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ will deal with these things. Only an encounter with what the blood of Jesus has done. Only an encounter with what Jesus did for you on the cross. Only a supernatural touch of God will, 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 will penetrate to these things. And some of these things that prevent people from relating to God in the right way are abandonment or separation from their parents. And, and you know, this is such a big problem in our nation. There are so many people. There are so many. In fact, I don't think 10% of South Africa has not experienced this. My sister's here today. She lives in Australia. The one time we were there, and I was just sitting waiting for Rory and my brother-in-law. They were going to Lego shops. If you know Rory, just goes to Lego shops and... He needs a container to get on the plane. But I was sitting there waiting, and I have a cup of coffee. They call it Gloria Jeans there. And I was having a cup of coffee. And it was by the entrance to a store, like a pick and pay or a checkers, yeah? It wasn't, it's not there anyway, but same, same thing. And I was watching the people going in, and I know what you'll see if you're sitting here. And what did I see there? It was a Saturday morning, I saw families going in. And you know it hit me? It's not like that, yeah. That, that's not what most people have lived. That's not how most people grew up. And the damage that that has done. Well, you know they're still in the railway lines. That actually all comes back to that. Young boys who grow up without a father and have no discipline will go and steal the railway lines when they become men. Every problem we've got, I'm telling you, you, you come back to a spiritual thing. And so much of this, abandonment or separation of our parents. Or maybe we had our parents, but they spoke wrong words to us. You know, <laughs> you're never going to be anything in life, eh? What, what makes you think you're going to become? What do you think you're all that? You think you're better than your parents? You only ever cause problems in my life. Since the day you were born, I've just had problems. 
Some, some, some people, their mother never had an abortion, but their mother rejected them in the womb. In the womb, they were rejected. And, and you may not even know that in your intellect, but it affects you in the spiritual realm. Or maybe, maybe you've been mocked. Eh? Maybe you've been mocked for being too tall, too short, too fat, too thin. I used to be mocked when I was in high school. Because I got to an age where you know you grow fast and then you can't walk properly. I remember the one time a teacher asked me to open the cupboard door. And it was locked, but I opened it. <laughs> Let's just say there were some words spoken. You're such an idiot, you know. It's the nice thing. It was much worse than that. I didn't mean to open the cupboard while it was locked. So now I've told you what you can laugh at about me, but what have people mocked you for? Some physical attribute or something about you, maybe your voice, whatever it is, and this thing's caused you shame. It's important to understand that the people who hurt you are only human beings. <clears throat> They're not your enemy. And I hear lots of people, you know, you hear people all the time talking about these people who are their enemies. I, I, I don't care if it's a person that infected you with a bioweapon or blew you up with a nuclear bomb. It doesn't matter. They're not your enemy. I don't care if your father is totally messed up. God is your true father. And he never fails and he never harms his children. Psalm 27 verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. You know, this comes right out of the encounter. I want to encourage you guys. We've got life class on Thursday. We've got encounters coming up. The 19th and the 26th of March. I'm telling you now, this is where the answer is. Because what happened to Jesus? When he was hanging on the cross, he was rejected for us. He was rejected in your place. He was rejected after his birth. I want you to think about King Herod. King Herod tried to kill him. He wiped out a whole, uh, uh, you know, all the young boys under two in an entire area, in an entire community. He killed them all to try and get to Jesus. How much rejection is that if your president's trying to kill you? Imagine if all the people, all the young kids that are under two in the south of Johannesburg were killed so that because Ramaphosa was trying to get to you. He was rejected by the Jews. His own people rejected him. And you know, this always makes me marvel. Racism's bad, it's terrible. But when your own people reject you, that's worse. He was rejected even by his heavenly father. He's hanging on the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 verse 1a. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I will encourage you every single morning to pray that prayer in Psalm, uh, Psalm 22. And pray that as if it's you. Because Jesus was rejected so that you and I will be accepted by the unconditional love of God.
And, 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 and when, when the Lord says, go out with my message, that's what He wants you to tell people. And I want to say to you this morning that if you've experienced great pain in your heart or you felt rejected, I would like to invite you to pray and apply the blood of Jesus that was shed from His side. You know, when they, when they placed the spear in the side of Jesus, the Bible says that blood and water flowed. And one of the, the things is, obviously, there was great stress. And some people postulate that it indicates he died of a broken heart. Such was the trauma of his death, that the blood separated into the red and the white parts. Now, that blood that Jesus shed, just one drop of it has the power to absorb all the rejection you've ever faced. It's a supernatural thing. An encounter with Jesus is a supernatural thing. It's not a natural thing. And when, when that rejection gets sorted out, what that brings about is a love explosion in your life so that you can enjoy the blessing of a child of God. I read a prayer last week from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. I want to read it to you again. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may live in your heart. Think about your heart here. But think about your spiritual heart. It's going here. It's pumping spiritual life all over your being. Your, 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 your spirit, your soul, and your body. It's the source of all things in your life. That Jesus lives there. Right at your source. Right at the beginning of everything. That Jesus lives there. And while it's pumping, what's, what's pumping out all over your existence is Jesus. So that you what? Being rooted and grounded in love. Sorry, I missed the piece there. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You believe his thing. And that when he dwells in your heart through faith, so that you being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, your source is love. It's the love of God. It's a supernatural love. It's the love that comes when you're led by the Holy Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. That you being rooted and grounded. In other words, you're like a tree where your roots grow deep into this love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. You have to be healed to be able to get to the place where you can be filled up to all the fullness of God. Or else you can live saved. But you're living and God's not really there. He's there, but He's not really there. You know, like a person who's married and they got the spouse and, and they're there, but they're not really there. You know, like those marriages? But the wound has to be healed. And I'm going to ask you all to stand again like I did last week. And in a moment after this, we're going to be going into a time of communion. But, you know, what does the communion mean if it doesn't sort this out? When we're having communion, we're focusing on the body and the blood of Jesus. And this is why Jesus said, do this and as often as you do it, remember me. Why? Wow, this is the most incredible act of love that anyone could ever have done for you. You, there's no other act of love that's ever been done for you like when Jesus went to the cross, when he gave his body and his blood for you. And I want you to close your eyes as you're standing. 
And I want you to see Jesus standing in front of you. And in the way, blocking him from you is this area, this wound in your soul. I want you to see that wound. And I want you to see Jesus standing behind the wound. So you can't get to him. But just there next to you, on a table next to you, there's a blood, there's a bowl with the blood in it. The bowl is your faith. Your faith in the power of the blood of Jesus and how it can restore your soul. How you can come to the cross and experience a great exchange where all the brokenness and the wounds and all of these things are exchanged for the goodness of Almighty God. It's a faith thing. You see, you have to receive it. You have to believe it. You have to accept it. Faith means you accept it as true. And I want you to accept as true now that if you take a hyssop branch, which means your confession, the branch is your confession. And the hyssop branch, you know, when Moses told the Israelites to go and, and paint the blood on the doorpost and the lintels, they used the hyssop branch. So the hyssop branch, it speaks of your, 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 your applying the blood, which is your confession. And I want you to see yourself dipping that in the blood and applying it to that wound, that thing that's in the way of Jesus. Paint it. Paint it now. Paint it in your mind. Paint the thing completely. And see this thing, this blockage just dissolving. Just disappearing. Just dissipating. Just becoming nothing. And now there's nothing between you and Jesus. How good does that feel? Come on, Active Church. How good does that feel? There's nothing between you and Jesus. I say it again. There's nothing between you and Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hands now as a sign of faith and a sign of surrender to the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. We prayed it last week. We're going to pray it again. We're going to pray it with faith, believing that the Lord is touching us right now. That all of these things are being destroyed. All of these things that are holding us back from the Lord are being destroyed right now in Jesus' name. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, today I apply the blood that was shed from your right side. And I declare that the power of your blood replaces my character with the fruit of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, because your blood has removed all fear and has given me your perfect love, exchanging my bitterness for joy, my worry for patience, my ungodliness for your kindness, my evil for your goodness, my doubt for your faithfulness, my rebellion for humility, and my lack of self-restraint for self-control. I praise you, Lord, in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, if you believe God's done something in your life, give Him the biggest shout of praise here this morning. Amen. Amen. Give a shout of praise. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. Just while you're standing, just close your eyes again. And if you need to give your life to Jesus, you see, the blood of Jesus only means something to you if you've given your life. And I'm going to ask you right now, right where you are, just as you're standing, whether you are one of the sites, if you're at home, just stand with us. If you're listening on the audio, just stand with us. 
And you've heard the message about the blood of Jesus and about the cross. So how do you get saved? Romans 10 verse 8 and 9 tells you. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. So you've heard about Jesus. You've heard this morning about the cross. You've heard what Jesus did for you. You've heard how much he loves you. And so how do you get saved? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you confess with your mouth, in other words, that Jesus is Lord. And the next part says, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what does it matter if you believe that God raised him from the dead? Well, the life of the blood of Jesus, the life that the cross gives us and everything that we have because of it is only real because Jesus was raised from the grave. He was raised from the dead. So if you believe that, you'll also believe that he ascended into heaven. You'll also believe that right now is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. That he's your advocate in heaven. He's your lawyer in heaven. And every time the devil comes to him with an argument, he puts up his blood as evidence that you're innocent. And so if you need to give your life to Jesus, or just recommit your life just before we have communion, just raise your hand right where you're standing. And we're going to pray with you right where you're standing. I see that hand. If you're at the sides, please just raise hands as well. I see this hand at the back there. I see that hand at the back there. Is there anyone else? Another hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I just feel I need to ask this one last time. Whether it's someone, yeah, someone's just raised their hand. Yeah, I see in the front here. Yeah, someone's just raised their hand. I see your hand. Another one there right at the back in the corner. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Please, site, site leaders, please check out if there's anyone else right now. I want to tell you that your destiny is at stake. Your eternal destiny is at stake right now. And Jesus loves you so much, He died on the cross for you. So don't wait until later. Is there anyone else? One last time. If you're watching online, I want to ask you, please send us an email to info at activechurch.org. That's info at activechurch.org. And just say, I've given my life to Jesus for the first time or so. I've re recommitted my life. And give us a contact number so we can contact you. We'd love to get in touch with you. Amen. We're going we're gonna to pray in a moment. But I want everyone just to put your right hand on your heart right now. And what you're saying now is, Lord, I want to commit to you. I want to commit everything to you right now. I don't want to wait until later. Lord, I'm coming to this altar because it cleanses and sanctifies everything. Lord, I want to know that from this day forward, I'm not living alone. I'm living with you. So close to me. So close to me. And I want to know that when my death comes knocking, I'll be ready for death. Your, my death won't faze me because you'll be there with me. And I want you to see Jesus in front of you because the same Jesus that died on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago, he's the same Jesus that is saving you right now. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that same blood that he shed over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary is still washing the, the sins of many away today. And if you put your faith in Christ and you mean this prayer, it's going to wash your sin away too. The price that he paid with his blood is the full price for your sin. Your faith means you no longer have an outstanding balance with God. The debt has been cancelled.
the death of sin. And so, with your right hand remaining on your heart, just repeat after me. If you mean this prayer, God's going to touch you right now. If you sincerely live by this from now on, God's going to touch you from now on. Your eternal destiny will change. Let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin and I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body wash me today of all my rebellion, of all my sin. Set me free from any sickness and pain. And I I declare by faith that today my debt has been paid. There is no outstanding balance because you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you've made it as if I've never sinned. And by your blood I'm sanctified. And you've chosen me to serve you. And so, Lord, I want to serve you. And because of that, I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing tonight? Thank you for coming out tonight. This is the Truth Unplugged. A break from the 808. Can we do that tonight? No break from the 808. Just some good old-fashioned quality music. Can we do that? Y'all ready? Let's go! Changing with the times. It's the 21st century. Feeling like I'm out of my mind. This is not the way it was meant to be. Everybody's stepping out of line. But I heard that eventually everything is going burn. Can I get your attention, please? I don't need your permission, please. No one missed the nice guy. I'ma let the teacher breathe. They just want me to pipe down. I'ma fight in these four walls I refuse to fight and just go along If a bruise with a knife, I'ma go hard I'm right, you're wrong That's the statement that make you bold as a lion That's the statement that get you thrown into the lions Get you thrown into the frying Please forgive us for this defiance I'm sorry we're normally more compliant But tonight we're setting it on fire I thought that you would take it this far And everything you've done to try to make me move Take a look in my heart and you'll see the truth 
won't take it no more. But I won't take this no more. You will never bully me no longer. Never bully me no longer. You will never bully me no longer. The world wanna push us around. No matter what they say, I'll never run. We won't run, will we? I will never be kept silent again. Twin pearls in the black mask. Take the money out the cash drawer. I don't care what y'all say. You can't tell me that it's natural. The two men that are in love to stand up at holy matra. Moni, they stand in front of the pastor. I'm in my zone, they only want me to back up. Sick of walking on eggshells. All this political correctness. We call it abomination. Y'all call it progressive. Uh, man, we call it evil. Uh, y'all try to protect it. Uh, Y'all don't want us to judge, y'all just want us to shrug and follow y'all's directions. Y'all don't want us to judge as soon as we don't go side. Yeah. Put the door label on us. Hold on. Biggest for the close eyes. Now ain't y'all judging us? Hold on. Talking out of both sides. Uh, if it's live, let live, then live, let live. You go your way, we go ours. I never thought that you would take it this far. And everything you've done to try to make me move Take a look in my heart and you'll see my shoes But we won't take it no more But I won't take this no more I never thought that you would take it this far And everything you've done just to make me move Yeah. Take a look in my heart and you'll see my but I won't take it no more. But I won't take Here we go. No